pastors of Midland Reformed Church. I'm Matt Remy. Uh, Ruth Ann Swart and I are uh, elders here at the church, and um, we're joyed to uh, be here in leading worship, uh, leading uh, in bringing you near to God today. So thank you for being here. Thank you uh, for uh, giving us the uh, honor and privilege of being able to stand up here in front of you. Um, Today's scripture is going to be Colossians 1, and we'll get there in a minute. Um, Colossians 1 uh, is an amazingly encouraging uh, passage of scripture. And so I wanted to take uh, a quick uh, a quick bit to introduce kind of what we're gonna what we're gonna talk about and uh, pray, and then Ruthann will be back up here to share uh, to share the scripture with you. If you are planning on following along in your uh, in your uh, pew Bibles, you can find Colossians one on page twelve hundred and three. Okay, page twelve hundred and three. Um. As you get prepared to hear Ruth Ann read Colossians 1, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hear the words of Paul and Timothy, and I want you to hear how they are encouraged and encouraging the Colossians. Um, And so in leading into that, I want to ask you, how do you feel um, in your relationship with God? How do you feel knowing there is an all-powerful God. What does that make you feel? Does it make you feel challenged to understand that? Does it make you overwhelmed? Does it make you feel insufficient? Does it make you feel loved? Does it make you feel at peace? And why would you, why do you feel that way? Do you feel challenged because you feel like you need to do more? Like somehow there's more you can do that can bring you closer to God? You feel overwhelmed because doing more seems like more uh, than you can handle. You feel insufficient because if you can't handle doing more, then something must be wrong with your faith. Or do you feel loved because you see a God that's willing to give himself, uh, that he gives the promise of wonderful, eternal promises of being near to him? you feel at peace because those promises are enough, that they're sufficient, that your worth isn't dependent on on what you accomplish, that your worth is dependent on the person of Christ, and your sole aim is to serve him and be near him, and that all your other aspirations, all your striving to be near to Christ, however noble it is, falls away in the light just being near to him, just being, just having the light of his countenance uh, shining upon you. I want you to be encouraged, brothers and sisters of Midland Reformed Church, okay? Um, let's pray, and then we'll hear the words from the, to the Colossians. Father in heaven, give us hearts that God want to just bring us close to you. Give us the desire to just catch a glimpse of your face, just to hear a whisper of your voice, God. God, show us how you've already done all of the work to be near to us, God, that we just need to look for you, to 
drive to you, to, to see you. God, that all of our actions and, and, and trying to do good is, is not what you ask for, God. But God, that you ask for us to know you. So Colossians chapter 1, I'm reading from the Pew Bible. I'm going to start at verse 3. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard that you trust in Christ Jesus and that you love all of God's people. You do this because you are looking forward to the joys of heaven as you have been ever since you first heard about the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is changing lives everywhere, just as it changed yours the very first day you heard and understood the truth about God's great kindness to sinners. Epaphras, our much-loved co-worker, was the one who brought you the good news. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us in your place. He is the one who told us about the great love of a great love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have continued to pray for you ever since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you a complete understanding of what he wants to do in your lives. And we ask him to make you wise with spiritual wisdom then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. You will continually do good, kind things for others. All the while, you will learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with his glorious power so that you will have all patience and endurance you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father who has enabled you to share the inheritance that belongs to God's holy people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness. He has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. God has purchased our freedom with his blood and has forgiven all our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before God made anything at all and is supreme over all creation. Christ is the one through whom God created everything in heaven and earth. He made the things we see and the things we can't see, kings, kingdoms, rulers, authorities. Everything has been created through him and for him. He existed before everything else began, and he holds all creation together. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. He is the first of all who will rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And by him, God reconciled everything to him. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross. This includes you who were once so far away from God. You were his enemies separated from from him by your evil thoughts and actions. 
yet now he has brought you back as his friends. He has done this through his death on the cross in his own human body. As a result, he brought you into the very presence of God. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firm in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed by God to proclaim it. So the scripture today is a letter of Paul and Timothy to the Colossians. What do you know about the Colossians? The Colossians, uh, or Colossa, was a city in Phrygia, which is in modern-day Turkey. Uh, it was a small city. Uh, it was known for one specific industry. Um, and the people there were struggling uh, to keep the gospel pure. Um, later in Colossians, Paul and Timothy write uh, in verse 2 through 8. And I should mention, if you still have your Bibles open, that's a good thing. I'm going to keep coming back to, to these passages, okay? Um, but uh, so later on in Colossians, uh, Paul and Timothy write to the Colossians, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. So do you hear in the, the people of Colossae, uh, the struggles that they might have faced if they weren't associated with a specific industry in their small city, if they weren't associated in the, the wool trade for them, um, then you know, what, there was a challenge in, in fitting in. Uh, do you hear the challenge that they have of, of discerning the true gospel, that they were being preached messages that conflicted with the gospel that Paul had brought, or Epaphras had brought to them um, from Paul. Um, what's an example of a, a gospel, a teaching that we might struggle with? Right? Do you hear yourself in the story of the Colossians? That's important, right? Because as I said, this, this letter to the Colossians um, is encouraging. And I want you to hear it as though it were said to you, as though it were written to you, okay? So in verse 2, my faithful brothers and sisters, may God give you grace and peace. In verse 4, and this is where we will focus most of our time, uh, verse 4 and verse 5, uh, we'll keep coming back to this over and over again. Okay, so this is kind of the, the key to what's going to happen uh, later on. Verse 4, we have heard of your faith and your love for God's people, your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for God's people. I want to take a second just to talk about the faith that I have heard of yours. I want, to, I want to take a second just to point out some of the things that I see as, you know, five years into my time at Midland Reformed Church, 
where I see your faith in Christ Jesus. Um, in the four months that I've been an elder, I've had the privilege to see you pray um, with the power of God for each other, for Midland, and for the world. I've seen your ministries, the way that you reach out to distressed single-parent homes, that ministry born directly out of the command, uh, Jesus' command to love the widowed and the fatherless. One thing that, that, that I didn't experience too much, but I know kind of happened in just the, the years prior to my joining MRC was um, this church kind of faithfully ushering in a new age demographic. Even though it might have been out of the ordinary of what uh, you experienced, and it might have been uncomfortable. I've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Right? I've heard of your love for God's people. Um, your mentoring uh, young single moms in the Young Lives Ministry, entering prisons to spread the word through the Tarek's ministry. And then the joy that you take in meeting together in Oasis groups, in Triad, in Tuesday Traveler. I've heard of your love for God's people, whether they're ones inside the walls of this church or they're ones that we're going out to worship with today. And so take heart. Your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for God's people are being observed and being heard. Now comes in verse 5 an interesting thing that uh, Paul and Timothy say about the Colossians. Where does this faith in Christ Jesus and where does this love for God's people come from? Paul and Timothy say that your faith and your love come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. What does that mean? What's reserved in heaven for us? And why is that something that's so special that it makes our faith in Christ Jesus and our, uh, and our love for God's people enough to make it all the way to Paul? Right? What is it uh, that is reserved in heaven? So I'm going to go through just a couple of of biblical examples of what might be in re reserved in heaven. So I'm going to go through four. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about kind of some practical uh, vision of that, that that I've seen in my life. And then then kind of try and sum it all up. What's what's the key here? What is the, um, the hope of what's reserved in heaven? So number one, and again, these are, these are just me taking a few biblical examples out of the Bible. You can find a myriad of promises of what heaven will look like, what God has promised for all of you. Um, so what is reserved in heaven? Singing with the masses, right? Uh, it's not surprising that that stands out to me, right? I enjoy worshiping through song. But in Revelations uh, 19, uh, 1 and 3, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, praise the Lord. And then again in verse 3, praise the Lord. 
So one thing, singing. Okay, all right. This one was was one that that, that really stuck out to me. Is that in Matthew chapter thirteen verse forty three, it says the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. And that's a that's an interesting image, right? That that we would shine like the sun. Like again, what does that mean? And when I think of shining like the sun, I think of Moses. And I think of Moses' face um, from the story in Exodus thirty four, where Moses uh, talked to God, Moses interacted with God, and he didn't realize it until he got back down to the people um, and they saw his face and they were afraid because his face was glowing from that interaction with God. Uh, The nearness to God will make us shine. You'll be glorious. You're too wonderful for at least our human eyes to see, too unbearable to see. Another promise for heaven, that we'll be inheritors, heirs to the kingdom of God. Romans says Abraham and his descendants will be heirs to the world. We'll be granted the right to sit with Christ on the throne. You hear all of these promises singing, uh, shining like the sun, sitting with Christ, being inheritors. These are all promises that the Colossians heard, and as a result, again, their faith in Christ was known. Their love for God's people was seen. One last one. Hearing God's voice, I can only imagine the music and the majesty of God's voice, can't you? And throughout Revelations, uh, there are examples of like the roar of rushing water. Revelations 14.2 says specifically uh, that the roar of the mighty oceans and the rolling of thunder, like the sound of many harpists playing together. And if that verse isn't specifically God's voice, that's a pretty amazing thought that the sound you're hearing. So I want to take a couple of minutes to, to look at two of those examples. And I want to say, first off, that I am somebody who's uh, predisposed at wondering at, the, at creation, uh, wondering at the world around us. Uh, might not be the same for you. Uh, for you, it might be wonder at, at art might be wonder at art and form. It might be that you wonder at ideas and concepts. It might be that you wonder at relationships, that you love seeing how people interact and love and care for one another. Um, but for me, me personally, um, I am predisposed to wonder at the, the natural world. So Andy, can you bring up the the first picture that we have uh, on the screen? So this is a picture I didn't take, but I was present to uh, when I went down to to Haiti. And 
you can't see it in the picture, uh, but there are raindrops kind of splashing in the water. This is this is kind of a bay in in Haiti, um, and this is a picture of a new believer being baptized uh, in the salt water there. And it was an amazing, amazing uh, experience in the sense that it all seemed uh, so taken directly out of the Bible uh, that. There were fishing nets on old boats. You can see kind of one of the fishermen's boats um, out back behind the, the folks that are doing the baptism. Um, but what happened as we got there uh, is we, we got there. They went out into the water to perform the baptism. And it, again, like I said, it started raining. And as the baptism was occurring, uh, one of these afternoon thunderstorms rolled over the mountains. Haiti's a beautiful place. Uh, you have the ocean that rises really quickly up to the mountains, and these storms would just roll over the mountains in the afternoon uh, as the heat of the day would, uh, would kind of break in a storm. And so as uh, this man was being baptized, imagine the, the peals of thunder uh, rolling over the mountains, and you can see that uh, the spirit descending like a seagull on top <laughs> as well. <clears throat> and so I want you to keep that, that image in your head for just a second. I'm going to move on to another example. Um, Andy, if you can move to the, the next picture. Uh, this past week, I was down in Texas. Um, again, I, I try to go out of my way to see beautiful sights. Um, and I knew I was going to be close to the ocean. I knew I was going to be close to the beach. I was out of my way, but I had good intentions. I was down there for three days. Um, had good intentions the third morning to get up and go and see a beautiful sight, see a sunrise uh, off the east coast of Texas. So I was down in Texas to to meet with a bunch of people. And as I already said, uh, relationships might not be my way that I wonder at God most effectively. Uh, that was work. And uh, I was two days into solid meetings, all, all those two days. And the third day, uh, third morning came, and I was, I was tired. Uh, I was tired, and it was cloudy. And I was wondering whether I could save myself an extra 45 minutes by just staying in bed and not wasting the trip down to the beach uh, to see a bunch of clouds. Um, but the desire to see something beautiful was strong enough that I decided that I would get out of bed, get ready. I'd go to the beach and see if I could see the sunrise. And this is what I was treated to. This is the, the picture that I saw. Uh, the clouds ended up making an even more beautiful sight that I could have imagined. Um, and in that moment, you know, if the sun had risen that, that far on a regular day, I wouldn't have been able to look at it. Uh, too good a hitch, right? Um, but it was veiled enough that, that I could look at it, that I could take a picture without getting you know, nothing but a white screen. Um, just because the clouds were blocking most of the sun. So why did I go? Why did I take time 
to go see this natural wonder. For me, in reflecting on this, and reflecting on that moment in Haiti, why do I hear God's voice in those peals of thunder as the men are being baptized? I want to catch a glimpse of God and his creation. I want to see God's face shining in a sunrise just so that my face might even have a glimmer of the sun like Moses' did on seeing and interacting with God. So that that glimmer on my face might be just the small glimmer, the light of a city on a hill or a light on a lampstand. So again, these examples for me, you know, why did they stand out? I wanted so desperately to hear God's voice that the thunder spoke to me. I longed to see God so much that I went out of my way to see him in the sunrise. I wanted to experience that. I wanted to be near to God. And so what's the ultimate promise of heaven? What's that promise that pushed the Colossians into action so that their faith in Christ was known? and that their uh, love of God's people was known. What was that ultimate promise in heaven? It's the promise of nearness to God. Right? No matter what heaven looks like, I think all of us can agree that the promise of heaven is nearness to God. So the Colossians' hope being near to God was their faith and their love for us. But it doesn't end there. Um, Andy, you can you can take the, the picture down. Thank you. It doesn't end there. At the end of verse five, at the end of verse five, uh, Paul and Timothy say that the Colossians have had this expectation, this hope in heaven, ever since they heard the good news. Ever since they heard the gospel, what's the gospel? Or who's the gospel? Right? Jesus, the Son of God, bearing witness to the Father and loving us so fully that he came to die to make us inheritors of his Father's kingdom. Right? So for the Colossians, the promise of seeing God's face, of hearing his voice in heaven was enough to make their faith and love renowned. They wanted so desperately to take hold of that gospel, that good news that they would be united in God with God in heaven through the action of Jesus, that their faith to God and love for God's people was enough to draw praise from Timothy and Paul. In verse 8, Timothy and Paul attribute the love of the Colossians that they have for others as a gift from the Holy Spirit. Again, that they've drawn so near to God that they have the gift of the Holy Spirit that is showing forth in their love for others and their love for God. So do you hear that? That the promise 
of nearness to God motivates their faith and their love. We think typically, if we live right, we do the right things, then we'll be near to God. If you just follow all the rules, if you keep trying harder, you'll be nearer to God. And that's, that's not it. That's backwards thinking. The Colossians uh, example shows us that. Um, that acting right to get near to God is looking at it the wrong way. The desire to be near to God, the desire, that hope in heaven, results in their love for others and their faith in Christ. So now, going into the prayers that Paul and Timothy offer up for the Colossians. In verses 9 and 10, Paul and Timothy say, we ask God to give complete knowledge of his will, spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that the way you will live will please the Lord and bear every kind of good fruit. So do you hear it again? This is the same, the same message. Complete knowledge of his will. How do you how do you gain complete knowledge of somebody's will? How do you know what Matt Remy is thinking, what drives him or motivates him? You know, you might know by asking somebody else that knows him. You might know from stories, but ultimately you'll know best what it is that drives me, whatever motivates me, whatever hope I have for the future. If you know me, if you're near to me, you'll know best God's will if you are near to God. The outflow of that, the outflow of knowing the will of God is that you will be, you will leave Live a life that's pleasing to him. Being near to God, the outflow of that is living a life that's pleasing to him. There are many examples from the Bible of people wanted to be near to God, wanted to be near to Jesus. And so the call is for you to continue to do the same. Like I said, I've already seen your faith in Christ. I've already seen your love for others. But the request is to do the same. It's to be the woman that pushes through the crowd to touch Jesus' robe to be the tax collector that climbs the tree just to see him pass, to be the child that pushes through the admonishments of the disciples to sit in his lap, to be part of the crowd that's willing to risk hunger to hear his words, to be the disciple that steps out of the boat even though Jesus is coming his way. Jesus is coming his way, but he wants to meet him. He steps out of the boat and defies physics, even just for a short time as a mortal 
because he wants to be near to Jesus. We want to be near to him. Do you see why those stories are so compelling as we as we hear them in the Bible? Every one of those, somebody took that outrageous step forward and tried to reach out and touch God. Everybody tried to be near to God. And they're just examples that we all want desperately deep down so that we can be near to God too. But how can you do that? How can you continue to be near to God? Let's look at verse 12. We share in the inheritance. There's a promise that we share in the inheritance. Again, what does the inheritance mean? It means the inheritance of God's kingdom again, being near to God. And why? Why would we want to be so near, so mighty, so powerful, and so holy of a being? That sounds terrifying. Why would we want to be so near to him? Verse 13 gives us the answer to that. Verse 13 says we're rescued from darkness and transferred to the kingdom of Jesus. This is the good news. We're not trying to be near to a God who's moving the opposite direction. We're not chasing God. God already came to us. He gave his son, right? Jesus came and died for our sins break the barrier between us and God so we can stand there without blemish. That's the good news. God already wants to be near to us. So at the beginning, we heard of the Colossians' faith and love, that they were the result of the hope for what God had reserved for them in heaven, which they expected ever since they heard good news, right? And that good news is reiterated again in verses 21 and 22. It says, this includes you who were once so far away from God. You were his enemies. You were separated from him. You were separated from him by your evil actions and thoughts. Yet now, he has brought you back as his friends. He has done this through his death on the cross in his own human body. And as a result, he has brought you into the very presence of God. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That's the good news. Christ has given you the ability to be near to God. God wants to be near to you. He has brought you into his presence. Seek it. What's the promise of what's reserved in heaven? That we will be eternally near to God. And through that nearness to God and knowledge of his will, spiritual understanding, our lives will be pleasing to him. 
our actions are the outflow of that desire to be near to God. He'll bear the best kind of fruit. He'll be worthy of notice by Paul and Timothy, Midland, and any who might see even the slightest reflection of God's glory in your face. Be encouraged, Midland Reformed Church, brothers and sisters. On this fifth Sunday, and leading up to it, I've seen your faith. I've seen your love for God's people. Let's pray. God, help us to look for you, to want to be so near to you that we, our every action, our every thought and deed is bent towards you and being near to you. God, help us to see you in the small things, in sunrises and sunsets, in peals of thunder, in the relationships that we see around us and through us. God, in the creations of man, God, help us to see you and your goodness and your beauty and your glory in all that's around us. From that, God, let us to continue to love you. Let us continue to love to other, love others, love your people. And God, let us rest in the knowledge that you want to be near to us, so much so that you gave your son to live as an example, to die for our sins, to rise again to come to life. Amen. Thank you, Matt, for that good training. We just have a couple things left before we...